Hello there, folks, and thank you for listening to the show. I'm Joanna. I'm Nate, and we are Stranger Than, a podcast discussing unsolved mysteries, weird occurrences, misunderstood phenomena, and creepy happenings. As always, the Stranger Than podcast logo art is brought to you by Cthulhu Art. The link is in the show notes. What do we have today, Joanna? Well, today we have one I'm super excited about. It's the disappearance of the Sodder children. These are five children that are officially dead, but there's a lot to this story that points to maybe not so much. Which is unfortunate. It is unfortunate. December 24th, 1945. George and his wife Jenny and nine of their ten children are asleep in their beds. The tenth child being the eldest is overseas still shortly after World War II has ended. Right, so he's still over there. Joe is his name. He's still over there taking care of... Business. Business, whatever you need to do to wrap things up after... A bunch of shit. A bunch of shit, a fucking world war and all that shiz. So a fire burns the Sodders home to the ground and George and his wife Jenny and four of their children escape, but five are presumably left in the house and killed in the fire so we'll start from the very very beginning yeah give us a little backstory on old george george started out life as giorgio sadu he came to america from italy at the age of 13 that was in 1908 he came into the country as giorgio but when he made his way through ellis island he came out of customs with the name george Sauter. eventually he started a hauling company and married another italian immigrant named jenny cipriani They moved to Fayetteville, West Virginia, and lived in a two-story house about two miles out of sight of town, 3.2 kilometers. At this time, this was a home to many Italian-American families. Which was an interesting fact. Fayetteville, West Virginia. Mm -hmm. I mean, East Coast, but still, you don't think of it as really a place for... I mean, different, though, when you don't have the whole rest of the country... Yeah. Oh, I guess you do have the whole rest of the country in the 1900s. I'm a fool. Yeah, I'm like, what? I don't know what you're quite saying there, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure, whatever. Still weird. The couple eventually, like we said, had 10 kids. That's a lot of fucking kids. First was born in 1923 and the last in 1943. Oh my God, so 20 years straight. 20 years. Just being fucking pregnant and birthing babies. Do you think they had disposable diapers in the 40s? No, they didn't. So it was all cloth. So there was so much shitty laundry to do. Oh, my God. So much. Sounds like, absolutely exhausting. Having to walk. That's back in the day when you had to, like, boil the shitty diapers on your stove. Oh, man. Yeah. Gross. I mean, maybe if you lived in, like, a big city, you could get some, like, diaper service at that point. But I really doubt Fayetteville, West but, Virginia is a yeah, large city. Yeah, Fayetteville, West Virginia. Like, no. You were, like boiling those sh- those shitty diapers in a big old pot on the fucking stove to clean them and gross. Then hanging them to dry and shiz oh fucking man gross. no thank you uh, no thank you well they were fairly well liked around the area i mean george Sauter was a fairly outspoken fella oh yeah especially when it came to his dislike of mussolini you he know, was not was... a big fan of old benito yeah and i mean obviously this is right after World War Two, and uh, Mussolini was a bit of a significant figure. 
no, in yeah. the time previous to I would that, say he was so... a pretty significant figure. A lot of Italian-Americans were pro-Mussolini, and mm-hmm. Mr. Sauter certainly was not, just wasn't. Well, yeah, that's because he had, like, a good head on his shoulders. And, it's and like, a yeah. son fighting. Yeah, and it's like, uh, no. Fashion is... <laughs> fashion? Fashion is... <laughs> I'm fucking tired. Fascism is bad. Fascism is bad. Yeah. Never mention politics or religion in polite conversation. Right. And I feel like, you know, those Italians can have a little bit of a fiery temper. Yeah, I would say that's possible. Mm-hmm. Especially, but, and anyone does when you I brings, mean, I know I'm, like, stereotyping hideously here, but... <laughs> well, anyone who brings up politics is, is... People just are inflamed by it. It's ridiculous. Right. Well, 1945 rolls around, and it brings us the heads of both Mussolini and Hitler, plunging the world into peace. Yes, the world definitely has been made better by the deaths of those two dicks. It's the truth. In October of that year, a traveling insurance salesman stops at the house of George Soder and his nine children. George wasn't interested in life insurance, and the dejected salesman warned George that his house would burn down and his kids would die. Yes, I have uh, what he is quoted to have said to him exactly, which would be... See here, George. If you're not careful, your house is going to burn down and your kids are going to die. <laughs> That's not quite That's not, it, no. but um, it is it is pretty specific. <laughs> and, um, no, it went a little something like this. Your goddamn house is going up in smoke and your children are going to be destroyed. You're going to be paid for the dirty remarks you have been making about Mussolini. Wow. Yeah. Specific. Yeah. Pretty specific there, considering what happens a couple months later. And when I read this, I was kind of like, well, how would this guy know what this traveling salesman, like, know what George was saying about Mussolini around town? Oh, right. But then it was like, oh, okay, like, he actually did live nearby. Oh, yeah, he, like, packed his car and, like, put on, like, grabbed his suitcase and his fedora. Mm-hmm. And he just, like, go from, like, neighborhood to, to neighborhood. I just by today's standards, I guess I think of when I think of a traveling salesman, I think of somebody who's like like going like all across the country or something. Oh, like that. Oh yeah, no no no, like, it was more just like yeah. Hello, madam, is the, is the, is the Mister <laughs> home? Yeah. So Jim Jones was a traveling monkey salesman before he got into the culting. That is just. One yeah. of the weirdest things I think I've ever heard. Live monkeys. Live, I mean, who the fuck sells live monkeys door to door? Jim Jones before he got into being a cult leader. I guess. I mean, apparently enough people that there was, I mean, a cult. Who Life buys is like, monkeys? I mean. Well, yeah. Who fucking buys monkeys from a door to door salesman? I mean, that's shit. That I, I, mean, is, I guess where, where else are you going to buy monkeys? Right. Because there's no internet. So I guess like. That was just like life. Yeah, like, you just got weird salespeople that came to your door, like, just like all the at time. home smoking just... the pipe. Like, oh, Martha, I wish that we could find a monkey. Mm-hmm. And then Jim Jones sells you a fucking monkey, right? And then it's like, okay, like I hope the Encyclopedia Britannica salesman comes next because we could use a new set. Yeah, I need to know how to take care of this monkey. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We need to we need to look it up in the encyclopedia. Another guy that came by the house was a guy that was looking for work. George owned a company, 
people knew it, this guy wanted work. And he pointed out the two fuse boxes and said how they looked dangerous. Hmm. And how it would be a shame if they caught fire someday. Well, you got to give this guy credit for being just a little bit more subtle. Maybe he was, I don't know. <laughs> That's not fucking, an exact quote. It could. And the fucking salesman is just like, your children are going to burn. He's like, God damn you. <laughs> it's fucking over for you, champ. But George didn't quite. He didn't quite mm-hmm. buy it because... He just had the electricity checked. They'd mm-hmm. got an electric stove installed. And the electrical company had come in and already signed off on everything. So his electricity was fine. Back when the electrical company like gave a shit about stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that they would ever come out to my house for like anything. Unless like maybe they were just like, hey. Pay the you... fucking bill. Yeah, pay your fucking bill. You weren't digging in your yard, were you? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, uh, let's meet the kids. Let's meet the whole family. Yes. We've got Jenny and George, the parents. We have the daughters, Sylvia at two, Betty at five, Jenny at eight, Martha at 12, and Marion at 17. The boys are Lewis at nine, Maurice at 14, George Jr. at 16, and John at 23. And then there was like Joe. Joe, and I believe he was 25. Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, it's every couple of years yep. <laughs> so the ones that um were allegedly killed in this fire the ones that have disappeared at mm-hmm. least that was maurice 14 martha 12 louis 9 jenny 8 and betty 5 so jenny named one of her kids jenny i wouldn't do that you know i mean that happened a lot i mean we've done we've talked about this with like, oh, the yeah. fucking names and stuff like oh, way yeah. back when but but this isn't even that way back. It is not that way back, but I don't know. I guess why not? If you really like a name, like hey, it's like I carried you. I'll fucking name you me. Mm-hmm. If I ever have another like daughter, which I probably won't, I'm I'm gonna name her Joanna though. Just you to, probably like, you should know, be that way. Even if it's a boy, you should name <laughs> your next child. You should whatever. You, even if it's a pet, your next anything you get that you name, name it Joanna. <laughs> Yeah, we'll just have to see what what life throws at me that I'm going to have to name. We'll see. An iguana, probably. (laughs) That could be like Joanna the Goanna, like in uh, Rescuers (laughs) Down Under. (laughs) That would be great. And the children, the children that survived the fire, or at least just didn't go missing. Well, they survived and didn't go missing. John, 23. Marion, 17. George, Jr., 16. And Sylvia, age 2. And, of course, the parents. And the parents, yes. Well, it's Christmas Eve. Marion brought some presents to the youngest three. They were super stoked and asked Mom if they could stay up and play. Mom said, yes, no problem. Just be sure that Maurice and Lewis, so the 14 and the 9-year-old, needed to make sure the chickens were fed and the cows were in the barn or whatever other farm shit they had to do. Mm-hmm. George, John, and George Jr. were already in bed because they'd been working. And Jenny took Sylvia to bed with her. Sylvia was the two-year-old. And this was around 10 o'clock. Yeah, that's probably why I feel like a lot. some of them were like downstairs and all the ones that were upstairs were the ones that ended up going missing. Yes, because the children, the younger ones, besides the two-year-old, uh, the room was in the attic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the two-year-old, I mean, it makes sense the two-year-old was like, she just with, took like, her to bed mom. with her, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, you got fucking like nine kids in that house. Yeah, really. 
12.30 a.m., Christmas morning, the phone rings. Now, this is the 1940s, so they probably just had the one phone. Oh, well, yeah. Downstairs I mean, in the kitchen. They had to rent it from the phone company. When I was, like, a kid, we had one phone for, like, ever with a rotary dial, and that was certainly not in the 40s. That was not in the 40s. Jenny wakes up. The mother, Jenny, mm-hmm. wakes up and goes downstairs to answer the phone. On the other end of the phone is a lady she doesn't know asking for a person that she also doesn't know. She could hear what sounded like glasses clinking and laughter in the background. So just party sounds pretty much. So somebody's like drunk, wrong number. Which is weird because this was probably a time where you had to contact the like, hey, operator, get me this. Yeah. And, and I, I guess the phone numbers were all like weird. It's like Chelsea three, seven, two, six, you know, like they had like names and like three numbers. And it was weird since they had like a a physical cord they would unplug and plug into things. Maybe she just plugged into the wrong one. It was the wrong number, regardless. Jenny goes back to bed. On her way back, she notices that the lights were still on and the curtains were still open in what I assume was the living room. Marion was asleep on the couch, and she believed the rest of the children had gone to bed in the attic where they slept. Mm-hmm. On most occasions, when the children stayed up later than the parents, they would turn off the lights and draw the curtains. This probably crossed her mind as she did those two tasks, but she was tired. It was late. She's got nine fucking kids. So it's she Christmas was. Eve, it probably, like, you know, they, they just passed out. They got excited and then just fell asleep and just didn't, you know, turn the lights off or shut the curtain yep, or yep. whatever. Like, you know, shit happens. Yep, exactly. Goes back to her room, goes back to sleep. Not much longer, right around one, she's awakened again. This time it's not in a benign, though annoying, noise of a telephone ringing but something that I would find quite alarming, which was something hitting the roof and then rolling, presumably, down the roof. Yeah, although I can see also why she didn't pay it any money. You know, I mean, you're out in, like, the woods. I feel like I feel like some tiny town and you're, like, a couple miles outside of it. Like, I would think... That's kind of in the sticks. I would bit, check. I would, I would definitely check that shit out. Maybe it was some critter or something. I would definitely check that shit out. I don't Although know. maybe not. I mean, maybe at that, maybe they're used to those kinds of sounds. Mm-hmm. I would be alarmed by it, but I don't oftentimes hear things on my roof. I hear things on my roof uh, once in a while, and it does freak me out at the time. But when nothing else happens, I'm just like, whatever. Wakes you up, freaks you out, nothing happens, you're asleep before you, you can move anyway. You go back to sleep, yeah. You're just like, okay, like if someone's out there, like, you know, hopefully they make some more noise when they're actually, like, coming in because nothing's happening now. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going back to sleep. I'm tired as fuck. Well, about a half hour after that, she wakes up again. But this time, it's something that everyone thinks is pretty alarming, and that would be the smell of fucking smoke. Right, She's still, all this weird shit's happening. George is out. She still hasn't woken George up. So she gets up and she goes to see what's burning. And she finds that George's office was on fire. Right around the fuse box and telephone line. Hmm. So she finally wakes George up. At this point, it's like, okay, time to sound the alarm. Exactly. George hops out of bed, grabs George Jr. and John, and start making their way out of the house. Jenny grabs Sylvia. The two-year-old. The two-year-old. And then the oldest girl is on the couch downstairs. Marion. And so they all get out of the house. Mm-hmm. In the first police interview, John says that he went upstairs to the attic to let the kids know that the house was on fire. 
Later, this statement was amended to him simply yelling at the bottom of the stairs due to the fire having already spread to the stairs. Yes, and I kind of want to buy that version more just because George, after getting everyone on the first floor out, tries to go back to get the kids that were upstairs and he said it couldn't because fire was covering the staircase. Yep. So Marion bolts to the neighbor's house. Yes, where the neighbor attempts to call the fire department. And can't for some reason. Well, there's no answer, so she goes to another neighbor's house. And again, no answer when they try calling from their phone. So that neighbor physically drives down to the fire department two and a half miles. How many kilometers? Kilometers? I didn't have that information so well it's in town you said how far they live from well they were two miles outside of town yeah two miles so you said two and a half okay well well, two and a half that was three that was 3.2 kilometers all right that was 3.2 kilometers around 3.2 kilometers add on to whatever you know whatever that equals they also say that it's possible they don't actually know who got a hold of the fire department because they think it's also possible that Someone driving past saw the fire, stopped at a tavern, tried to use the phone, which was broken, and then drove to another phone in town and then managed to finally call the fire department. Hmm. Yeah, I had that it was the neighbor, the second neighbor that finally went in and personally told them, like, oh, hey, or told the fire chief. And his Regardless, name it took is... way too long for them to get a hold of the fire department. <laughs> well, okay, so the fire chief is F.J. Morris, and yes. this is the person who is alerted to the fact, like, oh, hey, the Sauter family house is, like, burning to the ground, like, right fucking now. Now, at first I was like, why the fuck do they... I'm still kind of like, why the fuck does it take them to, like, 8 a.m. to get over there? Right. Um, Although, one article did mention... Like, yeah, there is a lot of men gone still because of World War Two. So the fire department was Depleted. mostly made up of volunteers. Yeah. And and then it's like, you know, Christmas Eve. But still, it's like, dude, somebody's house is like actually burning down. They also didn't have the ability to contact them in mass. So they'd basically have to get a hold of one at a time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're not talking about a big place here. The fire is like. You know, oh, yeah. two miles down the road, you think, I mean, seven hours it takes you, six hours? If, I mean, if the fire department is in Fayetteville, it's a possible. It, it wasn't, well, that's that's what I, the information I had was it was the Fayetteville Fire Department. This is the Fayetteville Fire Chief, Mr. F.J. Morris, and then, you know, there's the Fayetteville Police Department that comes into play a little bit later. Well, while all this is happening, <sighs> George wants to save his kids. Yes. So, okay. So there used to be, there was always a ladder propped up against the side of the house. Not tonight. Not tonight. That's interesting. He had two coal trucks. Wouldn't start. Wouldn't start. And either one of them would they start. Were... He wanted to drive them up to the side of the house so he could climb on top. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, get to his, his kids and whatnot. But mysteriously, they, neither one of them wouldn't start. Would start up. A couple buckets filled with water they could have used. Frozen, which happens, it's December in, you know, West Virginia. I'm sure it gets cold. There's mountains there. Yeah. Some accounts even say that he tried to climb up into the attic and broke a window but cut his arm. But I don't understand. I don't think he even got up to the attic because. If that's the case, yeah, because it never mentions him seeing. I think that's just. Because I think, yeah, yeah. I think 
he was trying to get up there, but all his means of getting up there were yep. suddenly not accessible. And I mean, a couple of buckets of water, I have to say, though, it was not going to, you know, make a fucking difference when, no. when your whole house is like ablaze. And it only took 30 to 45 minutes before the house had collapsed and the fire department still wasn't there. Right. They would still not be there for several more hours. <laughs> uh, the chief of the fire department didn't know how to drive the fire engine. That was another problem. Yeah, that that seems like a problem. You yeah. think if you're the fire chief, you know how to do these things. I think it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't know how to drive a fire engine, to be honest. No, but if I was the fucking fire chief, I would have goddamn learned in my well, off time. Yeah, I'm just saying, I mean, like, for the love of it's God, it's not something where anyone can just jump oh, in no, not no, no. knowing what to do and just be like, oh, this is easy to figure out. Probably. I would be surprised if that was the case. Yeah. Well, obviously. They're very. The ones now are more complicated, but I'm obviously it was complicated enough that he couldn't do it. Oh, yeah. This is 1945 fire engine. I feel like it's all the same at that point. So by the time they got there, there was not really no anything to do except for go through the ashes. Right. Try try and look for the remains of the five children that never made it out of the house. Which they didn't find any. Which is weird. Yeah. There would have been some bones left over if five people had burned to death in the fire. Oh, yes. I mean, just off the top of my head, I know this, but the mother, Jenny, did speak to someone who worked at a crematorium, and... She had been told the body would have to burn at about 2,000 degrees for at least two hours, and even then there would be some bones left. I don't know how crematoriums operate today, but even today there are still bones left. Oh, yeah, yeah. So a fucking fire that only lasts 45 minutes. It's going to burn hot. It is going to burn hot, but... but there's going to be some remains left, one would expect. There's going to be some remains left, and... Here's like kind of like here's number one thing that's that's weird about the scene is that Jenny finds like some of the kitchen appliances, plastic bits that are still there, right? And like kind of like definitely should be more damaged. I mean, obviously there's a difference between stuff that's metal and and big versus like a human body, but they should have been a lot more for a fire that burns so hot that it completely. It was it was uh, over and done within forty five minutes. Body, yeah. t- five human beings into nothing but ash probably would have done more damage to this other stuff. Well, at ten a.m., good old Chief Morris tells the family <laughs> that children are dead. The like, remains have been reduced to ash. The house reduced to ash. Case closed. Most house fires burn around eleven hundred degrees Fahrenheit, which is five hundred ninety three degrees Celsius, and it's well under what a crematorium stove or whatever burns at. George was told by Chief Morris that the state fire marshal's office was going to show up and do a more thorough investigation and to leave everything as it is. Four days later, George hopped in a bulldozer and covered the site in five feet of dirt, 1.5 meters. He was just like... Wanted to plant a garden there to memorialize his lost children. Yeah, I mean, probably just at that point, you're just really fucking out of Depressed, distraught, yeah. yeah. He's like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a whole shitload of dirt and just dump it on this thing. And I mean, would you want to sit around and like look at that? No. I mean, I'm assuming they stay, they were staying somewhere else since you know. Who knows where? Yeah. But didn't I mean? Who knows where they were staying? I don't friends. Yeah, they're probably in town, local. Yeah, I mean, there's not not too far they can go. I mean, George still got to work. So yeah, he's just like, you know what? I'm gonna have like a memorial garden uh, to honor my children. So I'm gonna dump a bunch of fucking dirt onto the what remains of the foundation and the basement yeah. just 
Yeah. The day following the fire, so Boxing Day for our non-American listeners, the 26th for our American listeners, the coroner put it together an inquest. An inquest is held to determine the cause of death, which in some cases, this being one, also involves a jury. Mm-hmm. On this jury... <laughs> Why don't you tell us who was on the jury, Joanna? On this jury was our psychotic salesman friend. No, they didn't know this at the time. This wasn't information that they knew until later when they get a private investigator. Right. So the Sodders didn't know. No, the Sodders didn't the time. know. Yeah. I'm not 100% convinced, though, that the coroner's office didn't know about this altercation or... Yeah. I mean, that, that's just going to look like weird. Like, let's put a jury together. Um, oh, hey, didn't you, like, openly threaten the guy? Don't you, like, don't... You don't like this guy? Oh, no, How that wasn't I, me. That was my brother. Mm, yeah. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. I, yeah. I don't see a conflict of interest here. Why don't you go ahead and be on the jury to decide, like, whether this was somebody fucking doing some shit on purpose to them or an accident? Hmm. Well, do you know what the inquest found? Oh, that it was a fucking accident? The cause of the fire was faulty wiring. Ah, yes, the, the faulty very wiring. same wiring that had been checked and okayed quite recently by the electric company. You know, and, the electric company whose right. job it is to deal with electricity. Yeah, and like how it's fucking wired into your house and whether it's like safe and shit. Also, Jenny herself says that the lights were on. Christmas lights, yeah. Like, well, the in, the lights inside, too, and also they could see the Christmas lights on when the house was on fire. So before the fire started, she goes downstairs, you know, and the, like, the curtains are open, the lights it, are on. Yep. Answers the phone. Right. Exactly. So they should have been off. They definitely should have been off. If it was faulty wiring, the lights wouldn't have been on, and certainly not when the house was actually catching fire. The electricity would not have been going and... It's actually burning down and the Christmas lights are still on. Right. I mean, no. <laughs> right, exactly. The newspaper also did a great job writing the story. The article about the tragedy at one point says all the bodies were recovered. And then in the same article, it later says only one was recovered. When we know damn well they didn't find any. Right. What it sounds like with the inquest is that the next day, like, the whole thing goes through. And so they haven't really had time to look into things. And what abilities did they have to really do investigations in the 1940s as far as was this i mean I, I they could probably tell maybe if there was an accelerant used maybe they couldn't i have no idea what sort of forensic techniques they used back then just like right. looking at it and poking it with a pen and like smoking a lot <laughs> i don't know you know it's like i feel like it's either like they kind of knew what was going on and were trying to get it kind of like covered up and declared an accident and swept under the rug quickly or it's a whole lot of people who just didn't want to do their fucking job. <laughs> and didn't know. want to do like a thorough investigation. That, like, that's like too much fucking paperwork right there. It's around Christmas. Mm -hmm. It's like, dude, this is Christmas. Can we just, you know, say this was an accident and issue some death certificates and be done with it? Fuck. Parents are distraught. Obviously. I mean, the parents are so distraught they can't even go to the funerals. The kids go, but they, the, the parents are just unable to go. So then time passes a bit, you know, and they start to think a little bit more clearly. Kids well, are yeah. resilient, but they don't have the, I mean, so they're probably thinking fairly clearly the whole time, but they don't know what they're supposed to do. Well, I'm feeling the parents like probably know what they're the whole time they're feeling like something's off because there was a lot of things off about that. But maybe this is the point where they're actually are not so consumed by grief that they can 
think things through. So they're questioning things about bit. the the lights as yeah, you talked about the lights, the the stuff that they find, that the fact that she found the appliances. The yep, the appliances. Mm-hmm. No, they did find the phone line had been cut at the pole. Right, so somebody would have had to actually climb up the pole. Like, 14 feet, which like is 4.3 like, meters. Spiky freaking uh, logger shoes to like go up the side of it and actually physically cut the fucking phone line. And not only would they have just had to climb the up the pole, but then they have, would, have, would have had to reach two feet out, 61 centimeters out from the top. So you're climb 14 feet up and then stretch two feet out to cut the damn wire and it's not just something an easy cut you probably need to use both your hands so it's not something that's super easy to do right you gotta have some like strength and dexterity to do that and some determination and purpose I mean, yeah jesus christ you know the ladder was found yes it was like kind of hidden in an embankment yeah at the bottom of an embankment 75 feet 23 meters away so they were kind of having trouble buying this whole story about the remains of the five missing children being completely incinerated in the fire right. with all this other shit. I mean, why well, Jenny started to do some experimenting too with like with the animals. She talked to the person at the crematorium yep, yep. and then she did some of her own experiments on animal bones, trying to burn them to see if she could get them to like completely burn. Yeah. And... I got all CSI on that shit. Yeah. And, and guess what? Never did all the bones burn. Nope. Now the employee at the crematorium told her that even at 2000 degrees Fahrenheit, which is, 1090 celsius bodies burned for two hours had bones remaining yeah now it is possible as far as the trucks are concerned that adrenaline's pumping and it's possible that they could have flooded them since i believe there's probably like a choke and all kinds of weird shit so it's possible that they just in their panic managed to flood the engine because it's not like it is today it's not just walk in turn the key i don't think i mean my dad's got a car from 1927 and it's more like trying to start trying to start a two-stroke engine almost than it is a regular car right well i mean you don't really hear about flooding your engine these days when they're teaching not you these days day. but but that was in, in 1940 day. and who yeah. knows how old the trucks are if the trucks are from the 1930s well i'm old enough i mean not 1940 old but i'm old enough to be familiar with the term of flooding your engine like oh, you start right. trying to start it like and you hit the gas like too quick or something something like that or you hit the it's not kind of done just right with you shifting in a drive and hitting the gas and you flood the engine because you were like too quick to push your foot. It's like with a yeah. lawnmower when you push the button, you know, the primer or yeah. whatever it's called. We are super mechanically inclined, obviously. Obviously. But, you know, it's just, yeah. So yeah, it's possible so, that that yeah. would have happened. Um, I didn't find anything. Did you find it? Did they look at the trucks later and see that anything had been done to them? I did not see anything that said that. I read quite a bit about this, and I didn't see anything that said anything about them inspecting the trucks later. Yeah, I didn't see anything about a later inspection of the trucks and what that actually turned out. I did see something where somebody had said that they saw people fucking with the trucks, like they were driving by and possibly saw, like, like earlier in the evening and possibly saw, um, you know, some people, like, in the area of where the trucks were parked possibly messing with the engine well they did see a guy stealing a block and tackle from the solder's property and would that be part of an engine of their in a very loose way it's a device used to 
pull engines. So it's a series of pulleys. One is set up to like a ceiling mm-hmm. and the other one is down near the thing that you're trying to pull. And so you've got a rope connecting the two pulleys and then one end coming out towards you and you pull on that end and using magic and physics, it allows for you to lift heavy objects. Like so, the engine of a car. Like the engine of a car. So right. this guy was trying to steal that or was stealing that. Hmm. And the cops did find him and they arrested him and they questioned him. And he fully admitted to stealing the block and tackle and said he cut the phone line thinking it was the power line. But he never mentioned anything about the trucks. Well, that's weird. I mean, why would you do either if you're just coming to steal some shit? Like, right? Why, why are you, you cutting why do you anything? scale the, the telephone pole and cut that? Yep. And, I mean, you're trying to cut the fucking power. Like, that's fucking stupid. Yep. You were not supposed to, like, just, like, freaking... Cut uh, power? You know, take nope. your... What, what do they call those, you know, big... Bolt cutters? Not not bolt cutters, but, like, the that you use for, like, pruning trees. Oh, yeah. Those, no. You don't want to use those either. Yeah. Well, you don't just grab a pair of those and, like, climb up and try and do that to a fucking power you line. You don't... I mean, no. that's like, oh, <laughs> that's... hey... An awful idea. That is a terrible idea. That's how you like fucking Unless get electrocuted. You're trying and die. to get electrocuted, in which case, that's a brilliant idea you and only well done. Climb up a pole and cut a wire if you know for sure it's the fucking telephone line because I don't think that electrocutes you. No, it does not. Fucking power line though. God damn it. And why would he just like? Oh yeah, I thought it was the power line I was cutting. I admit to stealing this stuff and being a fucking dumb fuck cutting the phone line but thinking it was a power line I, I, I don't know that's just weird and it had to have been late because she got the phone call at 1230 right which they did trace and they find mm-hmm. it was in fact just a wrong number hmm so that's good that is good but yeah that that guy just kind of like bugs me like why would you even mention it if you had done that right and you know it who seems, was this guy it seems guy? a little convenient that it was like oh well yeah your phone lines were cut but apparently it was this guy who was stealing some shit off your property but it's not related at all to the fire and and do you know who this guy was who was this guy no one knows because official records of his arrest were either lost or never filled out and some sources say he just paid the fine and never went to court and he was only fined apparently so who knows Hmm. interesting question mark man right and again like why is this not raising other question marks with like the actual authorities who should be I mean, there should be a giant fucking question mark above all their heads about this. Like, nothing about this adds up at all. Nothing at all, no. It's like, you know, we, oh, we found the guy. We found that guy that other people saw. And, oh, it turns out he's the one who cut the phone lines, too. Imagine that. So there's the answer for that. Okay, stop questioning things. I don't want to fucking work. Something. <laughs> well, as time progresses, more information comes to light. A, br- a bus driver says that on Christmas Eve, he had seen people throwing balls of fire at the house. He probably should have reported this at the time, but, you know, better late than never, I suppose. As the days got warmer and the snow melted away, Sylvia found something to play with in the yard. It was green, hard, fist-sized, and looked quite a bit like a hand grenade. Sylvia, of course, had no idea. George, however, was pretty sure it was a hand grenade. Yeah, I think specifically it was some sort of a... They called it like a pineapple, pineapple bomb or something? Yeah, and it, and, it, and it was like a napalm is what it... It, it was like a bo- It was like a napalm bomb, like grenade. 
And the family believed that, despite what Chief Morris had said, that the fire started on the roof. Right. And so maybe somebody throwing that up on the roof would have been hmm, the sound of, you know, the, the thud sound that you heard followed by the rolling sound. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, maybe Which is... that was them, like, throwing some some napalm grenades onto the yeah. fucking roof and then having the fire start. And during wartime, it was probably pretty easy to get your hands on that. I don't know. I feel like that would still be kind of like a hard thing to get your hands uh, on. I mean, not, maybe... Not, not compared to today's standards of trying to get right, like, munitions like that. Right. Like, these days, probably hard to, like, get a grenade back from a combat zone. Now a little bit easier. Or um, then a little bit yeah, easier. Yeah, but then, yeah, I can see, you know, like, yeah, if somebody tucks it away in their suitcase, they, they keep a little memento. There were two women who had some stories as well. One woman who had been watching the fire from the road claimed she saw a car drive past with at least some of the children inside inside of it, staring at their burning home as you know the car passed. Mm-hmm. Another said that she had served them in breakfast the day after Christmas at a rest stop between Fayetteville and Charleston, West Virginia. Right, and she said that um, she saw a car that had Florida license plates in the lot of the rest stop, but. I don't think she made a statement that definitively connected the children to that that car. She didn't, and it's a rest stop, so right. So there, it could have been any, but you know, she swears she saw the kids, and then also of note that that day that there was also a car, possibly but not definitely related. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At this point, there was quite a bit of doubt about the quote unquote investigation of the fire. Well, doubt with everyone, you know, except for the fucking people like in charge of deciding like <laughs> whether or not to keep investigating and shit. Right. Except for all the officials that just want to like close it the fuck down. Well, yeah. As, but to everyone else, like to people it, who this, care about it, yeah, it was, well, yeah, I mean, fuck if it was my was, kids, hell no. Yeah. I would not give up ever. at all ever. Yeah. They ended up hiring a PI named CC Tinsley, which C. is a Tinsley. badass name for a 1940s PI. He probably had like a brown suit and a fedora. Oh yeah, like definitely a mustache. had a fedora for sure. Like a pencil thin mustache, probably. <laughs> Tinsley turned up some info that we'd already discussed. The insurance salesman who threatened George had been on the jury that for the decided, inquest. Yeah, that you know. Oh hey, no, this was a fucking accident caused by faulty wiring. And then also something we've not yet discussed: the heart. Chief Morris had found a heart. He had not reported this to the Sodders and had placed it in a metal box and buried it. Buried it in, like, basically in the... Didn't he bury it in, like, George's memorial, like, mound? I'm not sure where he buried it. It it seemed to me, like, from what I was reading, that that's where it was buried, but I don't know. Anyway, old C.C. Tinsley... Finds this information from, apparently, a... Minister. Minister, yeah. And I didn't realize ministers (laughs) could just tell you this kind of stuff well but. it depends on the type of minister and how the information came to pass i mean i would imagine I hear, it's catholic because it's a italian american right but it's not like the guy i don't think the guy went to confession and said this the minister said that that chief morris was saying this to other people in the town so oh so he, he just overheard it he, he overheard it wasn't a, yeah i just assumed people. it was a confession scenario no it wasn't a confession scenario that makes a lot more sense mm-hmm, that you know word around town is is that he's told several people that he found a heart and he put it in this box and buried it so yeah so cc tinsley confronts chief morris about this with george and 
Morris folds like a house of cards. He's like, okay, yeah, here's where it's buried. And then so they dig up the box and, hmm. It's a weird looking heart. Yeah. Because you know what it really was? Beef liver. Fresh cow liver. <laughs> it had not been exposed to any fire. Right. It hadn't even been microwaved. Had, you know, it's probably microwaves like, still, existed. It's like, bloody and stuff. It just like, looks like a piece of liver, liver yeah. basically. Yeah. It was later claimed that Morris had put the liver at the scene in hopes the solders would find it and take it as proof their children had died in the fire. Which is just like, what? This, Dude, how stupid is this guy? I, uh, I don't. I don't I mean, even know. I can't even first, verbalize I mean, it. To, it's ridiculous. I can see where maybe you're not very educated and you're convinced that this house fire was actually hot enough to incinerate five people. And it would leave but one. To, but, Jesus fucking Christ. I mean, really? But to like be like, oh, yeah, no, some, some fucking liver. <laughs> like, yeah, obviously that would make sense that that would be left behind. I mean, if they're, all their bones like burned and it's but, raw. I mean, like, come on. Like, but yeah, that ugh. totally makes sense that you would find just some piece of, like, raw flesh. It's the 1940s. Cooking is women's work. What, what would this man know about cooking? <laughs> he would, Of course he would think it's raw. Yeah. Fire Chief Morris. Total fuck up. Did a really weird thing, but that's all that really became of that. A little bit more time passes. A pathologist... Oscar Hunter was convinced by George to help out with a new search of where the house was. Uh, this was August of 1949. And they kind of excavate the house. I think it's just a guard at this point. Well, but yeah. yeah. I mean, but they, they sift through everything there kind of with a fine tooth comb. And they find some shit. Like four vertebrae? Lumbar vertebrae mm -hmm. from a single person. They do some tests and uh do you know who did the testing i know who did the testing our friends at the smithsonian yep marshall t newman at the smithsonian institute so obviously they're covering stuff up mm -hmm. as the smithsonian institute is known to do well i feel like they're revealing the truth but probably the uh fuckheads at the fayetteville fire and police department are more apt to be like the smithsonian they're truth suppressors so clearly, <laughs> yeah. clearly they're gonna like tell us stuff that we don't want to be hearing about this, such as the bones came from someone who was probably between 17 and 23 years of age. Mind you, the oldest missing child was Maurice, who was age 14. Oh, and that the um, bones didn't seem like they were exposed to fire, and they were pretty much convinced it actually they were actually in the pile of dirt that George had gotten to fill the site rather than, you know that they were like in the fire they nailed down where they came from from a cemetery close to mount hope ah so it's very possible that that's that maybe that's where he got the dirt mm -hmm. or something digging near the cemetery like i wonder like because i was kind of like well i can believe that it wasn't one of the kids for sure right but it's like who the fuck's bones are these, just, you know <laughs> they could have died i mean if it came to? if it came from a cemetery it could have been someone who died of natural causes so but right. they didn't find I mean, out who I the guess bones... they were just not in a marked area. Maybe maybe they moved the headstones, but not the bodies. Maybe. Maybe it was just earth shifting. It's I don't know. I don't know either. I would be really interested to know how old those bones were. Like, not how old, like, the person who, you know, had the bones were. Right. But, like, but how, how old the bones were themselves the bones. Were, yeah. yeah. 
Well, Joanna, we will never find out because they are missing. Mm -hmm. The Smithsonian shows they returned the bones in September of 1949, but apparently they were never... George either did something with them and never it was never taken yeah. down or Who knows? May, maybe the Smithsonian is suppressing that truth. It's like, possible. I mean, maybe they they fucked up and it's like, oh no, our records show it was returned. We didn't lose those bones. Not our fault. Although I feel like that would have been like an oversight on their part. Yes. Uh, the following year is when the state dropped the case. FBI picked it up and then dropped it again in 1952. Saunders. Basically because they were kind of like shut the fuck down by our pal Chief Morris and the chief of the Fayetteville police were kind of like, yeah, no. FBI, there's no, there's nothing for you to, to investigate here. No, it's, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. We, it's closed. Case closed. Yeah. Well, the Soders did not give up. No. And, I mean, again, for my kids, I wouldn't fucking give up either. Yeah, after the authorities gave up, the family printed up flyers with pictures offered a $5,000 reward, which would be $47,714 today, or 42,268 euro, which soon jumped up to twice that, $10,000, which is today $95,428, or 84,536 euro. They Thank even you for put that. up. You know, I, I, I eye roll every single time. That's okay. I'm sure <laughs> the people who deal in that kind of money appreciate it. I'm sure they appreciate it, but I mean, when it's like the double one, like, you know, or some other like slightly bigger figure, but also I got to convert that into all the appropriate metrics. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they even put up That's a, when I eye roll. They even put up a billboard at the site that could be seen from the freeway that had a picture of all the kids on it. And when I say George didn't stop, George didn't stop. No, he invest. There were several like sightings and tips, and I mean, he investigated the shit out of every single one of them. He went to. He saw a picture in a ballet magazine about young ba- ballet dancers in New York City. He thought, "Man, this girl looks like Betty." So he went to New York City and harassed these people until they told him to go away. They would not let him see this girl, and well, for good reason. Right. I, I mean, I probably wouldn't either. Hell no. Like, Especially if I didn't really know the backstory. I mean, this isn't like, oh, let me go check the internet to make exactly. sure. Exactly. No, it's just some I mean, whack if I knew, job. If, it, if I, it was something where, yeah, it had gone viral and I knew about this. And it's like, oh, this poor guy is really thinking that my daughter is his. Maybe under, like, supervision. I'd be like, yeah, no. Like, see, look, this is her. But it's I'm, I'm very New sorry York for your loss. City. Eh, I yeah. would think he was just some whack job. Yeah. He actually did talk. He wrote hella letters to the FBI. And he actually got a letter back from J. Edgar Hoover, who was the director of the FBI at the time. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, hey, we can't do much. It's out of our jurisdiction unless we get asked by law enforcement. And law enforcement basically asked us not to. So, yep. <laughs> There's that. George drove all over the country following up on leads, not just to New York City. He spoke to a woman who ran a hotel in Charleston who said that she believed she had seen the children. She didn't remember the exact date, but said two men, two women, and five children had come in for a room. She also said that they all looked Italian, and the adults spoke to each other in Italian. When she tried to talk to the kids, one of the men got all pissed off and halted the conversation. They took a room and left early. I like how she described they were of Italian extraction. Right. Like, (laughs) all right, lady. 
that's just some well that's that's some like it's old time talk parlance Ex- of their times extraction though i don't think i've ever heard that term oh i know applied to somebody's like ethnicity yeah uh, now the credibility of this story is suspect as the lady hadn't seen any photos of the children until 1947 and then didn't come forward until there was a reward offered five years later. So people think that she's kind of full of shit. Right. Well, and I mean, even some of the locals that, oh, no, I saw them that night or the throwing the fireballs. You never really when something like that happens, people are there's a lot of people out there that are going to say they know something or they saw something just for the attention exactly of knowing or seeing something even if there isn't anything to be gained except attention people people do some fucked up things for attention let me tell you george went to st louis and spoke with a woman who claimed that martha was at a convent in the area she wasn't a barfly in texas says he overheard a couple guys talking at a bar about a house fire in west virginia they'd been involved with hmm, a barfly i like how you phrase that oh yeah he was just an old drunk apparently (laughs) Uh, this didn't turn up anything it was a pointless tip Uh, george even went to florida and made a relative of jenny prove that their children were theirs and not george's dang in 1967 george was still at it a woman in houston texas had written him a letter which said that a drunk man confessed to her that he was lewis sauter she believed that he and maurice were living in the area together What did George do? He went to Texas, but for some reason couldn't get a hold of her. The cops helped him out, though, and they found the guy she was talking about who both denied being his sons. Also, that same year, a letter to Jenny arrived in the mail. It had no return address and was postmarked in Central City, Kentucky. Inside was a picture of a guy in his 30s that looked like an older Lewis. The person in this picture looked to be the appropriate age of Lewis, he, that you know he would have been at that point yeah because this is like 23 years later yep so they're we're in, talking yeah. here 22 years later after after the fire so lewis what was he he was like the nine-year-old i think yeah lewis was nine at the time so he'd be in his 30s Mm-hmm. and then what was it on the back of the picture had that had that weird note it said lewis Sauter. next line I love Brother Frankie. Under that, I-L-I-L, boys, whatever the fuck that means. Whatever the fuck that means. I'm convinced I saw a picture that said L-I-L for little boys. Which makes way more sense. Yes, but there's also, like, numerous sources have it as I-L-I-L, or you might look at it thinking it says L-L-I-L. It's just, you know, the mind's a weird thing. I have an image in my head of you know l-i-l fucking mandela effect jesus yeah i mean it's like i swear i saw the actual like handwriting on it and that's what it said but you know whatever whatever it means is it's kind of weird and even if it did say little boys it still doesn't really make that much sense it doesn't make more sense because i-l-i-l makes no sense yeah like ill-ill boys Illinois, Illinois, but yeah, they weren't from Illinois. They're from right? West Virginia. And it wasn't I don't postmarked know. from Illinois. No. Also, what's up with the, the numbers below? The numbers were A90132 or A90135. I guess the five and the two look very similar. 
and so they're and not sure. So that's another weird thing that I feel like I saw an image of this letter, and it it says A nine zero one three two or three five. Like it's it's written out. Like then it says or three five. That would be weird too. That would also be weird. I was under the assumption that it was no, like not like not like the person looking at it says it's either a three two or a three five. Right, no, it's that actually, is actually it spelled was actually O R and then a three and a yeah, five after that. It says A nine zero one three two or three five. And regardless of whether they neither t- one makes sense. Yeah, regardless of whether it's just the numbers or if it's got the or three five at the end, it still doesn't make any sense. Mm-mm. Very. Very weird and cryptic. Well, the Sodders hire a PI to go to Kentucky to check it out, but he never reports back and they never hear from him again. Like, there's basically nothing heard of this guy at all again, ever. Which, you know, if you're like a PI and you're going to investigate something, you don't just, oh, hey, I think I'll just, you know, take this little money that they gave me and go start a new life. I mean, Jesus Christ. But a, if you're a good PI, yeah, I mean, you can come back and say, I didn't find shit, you know, on to my next job, like take up residence in my, you know, PI office where I got like my, I got one of those like frosty oh, window yeah. things with an actual eye on it. Uh huh. And uh, yeah, and it says my name in like fancy lettering. And on you just the sit there and narrate what's going on and drink whiskey and smoke mm-hmm. cigarettes. And yeah. you like type up your reports and shit. Yeah, yeah. And... On a key, on a typewriter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally yeah, on a totally. fucking typewriter. So the fact that. He just He's disappears. Just, he just disappears. He never comes back to that's, work. That's... He's just never heard from again. Like that is, that is like one of the weirder. Yeah, that's super weird. Things about this case. Well, they take this picture of possibly Lewis and they throw it up on the billboard. They don't give any of the location information, and I don't think that they put any of the shit on the back of the photo up there either. Just the picture. Now, is this the billboard? Is this the billboard? Yeah, the, the one that's the on black... the property. Yeah. Yeah, that is like on the property to this day. No, isn't it? No, it's no, not. it's not anymore. It is not. Where it's it's it was, not anywhere anymore. No, it's it was taken. Well, I I don't know if it's someplace. It's not on the property. It was taken down in in eighty nine after the uh, after. Um, oh yeah, after the mom died. Yes, after Jenny died. Right. Yeah, because uh, George dies. Sixty nine. Yeah, not too long after this last incident, where the fucking private investigator disappears off the face of the earth. Jenny and all of the kids, except for John, keep looking for information on the disappearances. They keep hoping and they keep trying. John just believed that the siblings had died in the fire and that was that, that everyone needed to move on and heal. Hmm. Uh, Jenny wore black in mourning and tended the garden over the side of the burned house until her death in 89. And this fucking plaque, we should say a little bit more about the plaque, I think. Do you have what it says exactly? It's a really long... Um, you mean the billboard? Yeah, the billboard. It's pretty detailed. After 30 years, it is not too late to investigate. On Christmas Eve, 1945, our home was set afire and five of our children, ages 5 through 14, kidnapped. The officials blamed a defective wiring, although lights were still burning after the fire started. The official report stated that the children died in the fire. However, no bones were found in the residue, and there was no smell of burning flesh during or after the fire. What was the motive of the, of the law officers involved? What did they have to gain by making us suffer all these years of injustice? Why did they lie and force us to accept those lies? P- 
picture number six received in 1967, Lewis, one and the same, now in another state. And then it has the pictures of the children on it. So it's the five original pictures of them as they were, like the mm-hmm. last ones when they were, the last pictures of them before they disappeared. And then at the far right of it is the last picture of Lewis they received in 1967. Right. So there's like six photographs in all. Yes. One of the theories the family has is that the mafia wanted to get to get cash out of George for some reason because the mafia needs cash all the time, I guess. Uh, and that they grab the kids to save them from the fire and then burn the house down or something for some reason, sent the kids to Italy. I don't, I mean, it seems kind of weird that what I read, I mean, it didn't just, really add up to me, but well, for one thing, it, as far as I know, nobody ever approached George for cash. So why were they doing it for money if they were never going to like extort it out of him? And if he knew it and he just didn't say anything that he was being extorted, then why would he be following these leads all over the country? Just right. I mean, that's not your typical family member who's in on it behavior. Typically, no. And also, typically, you you, maybe you'll put on a little bit of a, a front, but it's like the second it's been ruled an accident or whatever, and you're basically like off the hook if you were involved or knew of it. You, you just kind of, like, go back to your life. Yeah. You're out there smiling and laughing, playing golf, being all, like, inappropriate. But as far as the eyes of the law are concerned, you're, you're good to go. You're yeah. good to go. Exactly. Um, so, but no, I mean, they were trying to say everything was good to go. And George was like, no, it's fucking not. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe For he decades. was right. I, I don't, I honestly don't think that the the children died in that fire. Oh, I don't think that they died in that fire either. The thing that just confuses me is the why part. Exactly. Like, what what the hell was the point the who and of the any why. of this? Because I understand if it was a guy that was mad at him over political reasons and burned his house down. What I don't understand is why you would just kidnap the children unless you were selling them into slavery. Yeah, which is something possible. Like that. Also, it feels like there would have to be more than one person involved. I mean, you're trying to kidnap five. You're kidnapping five children. Yep. And they're not like, it's not like they're five fucking babies or something like that that you throw into a sack and throw over your shoulder. I mean, maybe you could threaten one to get the rest to comply. Put a gun to the youngest head. Get in the car or I blow your sibling away. Right. But still, at the same time, it's especially when you're traveling, going different locations. I mean, you're going to have like that much control over five children. Kids. If they like you, you don't have that much control right. over five kids. Exactly. Exactly. So, and that one lady, the one, even though her statement's a little shady, the one who said that there was like two men and two women. I don't know. It, it makes sense to me that more than one person was involved. I agree. In order to, to keep five people, unruly people probably already, because they're kids, you know, in line, you're going to need more than one person, even through fear. Maybe even especially through fear. Maybe one's going to snap anyway. I mean, these kids are being put through a stress that kids don't generally get put through. I mean, yes, it was a different time back then, but still. The thing that is weird to me is the picture and whether that was valid or not. Like, what, maybe that was just some crank, but the guy who went to investigate it disappeared. Now... Like, what's, what's odd up to me about that? that is, like, eventually, like, okay, you're going to, like, outlive your captors here. 
You don't really hear somebody being like imprisoned, kidnapped for the rest of their life. I understand maybe they were, I'm not trying to put this back on them at all. Like, hey, why didn't they rescue themselves and (laughs) get themselves back home? It's more like, what the fuck did these people do to convince them not to try, even once they hit adulthood or something? I can see as a kid. Unless they killed them much later. Right. Which is easily possible. If you're a grown adult and you basically have your freedom at some point, wouldn't no matter what they had told you, I would feel like I would need to go back and and get some answers. Yeah, because obviously it wasn't. I mean, you were somebody took you in the middle of the night, and I don't know what they said or what have you, but I would feel like if I actually managed to survive that and grow up and why wouldn't you try to find your family again? Right. Find your siblings. Like unless they lied to you and said that, I mean, that they're they, dead. But, yeah. But even if they I said mean, they were dead, I feel like I would, if I was 14, if I was eight, if I was nine, the only one, I, the only one I see maybe is like the five year old. But I guess that's, convinced. that's all still young enough that they could easily, not easily, but they could wipe their memories. They could break them mentally and make it so they don't remember their parents. They could brainwash the shit out of them. It's not diff- It's not overly difficult. It just takes a whole bunch of drugs and a bunch of abuse. Right. I mean, that just. The, but for all of them to all be, I don't know. It's it would just, be easier as you got younger because they're younger. You know. Well, I less, get that. Yeah. I get that. But I still feel like if it were me, I would feel like there was something not quite right about it, and I would want to find out at some point. If you if you were alive, yeah. Yeah. If you're if I was alive, but even so. and if you still had the memory that anything happened if you don't remember anything happened then you're maybe you feel like you're missing something but you wouldn't really know you wouldn't have anything to latch on to maybe through therapy they could uncover some suppressed memories and stuff but if you're alive and you've been brainwashed you just you know still, may not like even think about it four of the five kids were i mean they were 14 12 9 and 8 I, well, once we I do once we do our MK Ultra episode, then you'll <laughs> read a little bit more about brainwashing and right. I mean, that's I'm, they do I'm it not to saying adults it's not and possible. I mean, too. I mean, people get but brainwashed all the time. It's just still like, so why many the hell of would them. You do it? And, like, why the hell would you do it? Yeah, and it, exactly. Like, why would you? Do, why would you go through all that effort to brainwash the kids and make the? I mean, but they probably killed them. Is what happened? Right? They, is if if they were kidnapped, which I believe they probably were, they were later on disposed of. I just don't right. see any other way around it and i mean unless the stuff is true where i mean like lewis is you got this picture of a grown-up lewis who was nine at the time so if that picture proved to be correct then that would have meant that they didn't kill him anytime but i wonder soon. like what's up with all the secrecy like why all the secrecy if they're still alive and they just didn't i would i, mean, I would at this point they're probably not still alive no i don't think i any, believe I, I believe sylvia is but right, if so she's she 73 like old yeah, yeah i mean my mom was like born in like 42 so i mean she's like she's yeah. basically like the same age as my mom yeah yeah but um the thing with the picture is that i could totally dismiss that as maybe like somebody just fucking around and sending a picture of somebody you know who kind of like looked like yeah, one, yeah. one of the kids just to fuck around but the weird thing about the picture is that the the private investigator went to investigate the picture and then disappeared like what's up with that i like, mean if that unless... hadn't happened i could easily just buy that yeah no they killed him pretty quickly after taking them 
and we just don't know where the bodies are. But that, I mean, that's weird that 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 picture that they were convinced was an adult Lewis. And what would be the point of sending it so long after all of this? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, right. what's the motive behind fucking with these people? And then the guy that they send to investigate is just like never heard from again. And like maybe they to to pay off someone that much, like to pay off someone so they could just start a new life someplace would. It seems like what was the point of that? Like, I don't even think they would so do that. Money? I mean, I think they would just probably kill him. Like, that's, that's cheaper than paying I mean, them off to like just probably, walk away from their whole probably, life. Probably, yeah. But it's just, it's just so, it's all so strange. It's all it's, so there's just like without a trace. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I'm with you. They, those kids were kidnapped. They did not die in that fire. But who was involved and why? I mean, that is just. It's just so many weird things. I mean, you got this like shady fire chief that's all like no one really doing their you know, job oh, hey, me, very yeah, well. Yeah, no one doing their job very well. I mean, Jesus Christ. And I read in one article it said that Jenny's like uh brother or something was working for the fire department as well. Hmm. So like there's an uncle on the fire department? Yeah. On the volunteer fire department that doesn't go to like help put out a fire until it's basically it's put itself out yeah until there's nothing left to burn so it is no longer burning right yeah and then of course like weird insurance sales guy who threatens and then also just happens to be on the inquest jury hmm odd coincidence there it's just a lot of odd things that just that speak volumes to me that these kids did not die in this fire but as far as oh yeah who who is responsible for their disappearance and why like who knows and no one there's just not enough to to put it together and i'm i fear there never will be Every, well everyone involved because, is dead yeah exactly everyone it's who one knows of those is, things, I mean, everyone's dead the youngest person involved in this whole thing is still alive and she is old so everyone else everyone who knows for certain every all firsthand information is long since gone Although the one the besides her, the other siblings that lived were all I guess that's true. Were all or Betty that didn't, was five. you know, weren't taken were um significantly older than her. So it's possible well, that I guess some not. of Betty the ones was, that were taken Betty was five, so that's only three. Yeah, years Betty older. was five, so she was one of the ones taken. I'm I'm talking like the fact that Sylvia is the only one left alive that we know of. Oh, we know for like, certain, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. because the the other um three siblings that weren't taken, they were all like teenagers. And, yeah. And so it makes sense that they would be dead 16, at this point. Yeah. But I feel like there could be a chance that, you know, Betty, who was five, and even like the eight and nine year old they could be. I mean, I mean, what if they were eight and nine? They were born in like, you know. I mean, the fourteen-year-old could still be alive. Really? I mean, I mean, that's not. That's not. Nineteen thirty-six, nineteen thirty-seven. Yeah. That's still. I mean, it's old, but it's not. It's not like a, out of the realm of possibility. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That was exactly the words yeah. I was yeah, looking yeah. for. It's not outside the realm of possibility that they can still be. No, alive. No, that's but that's again, very true. They just, could. I mean, but like all the yeah. So why haven't they come forward? Why? Why? I mean, th- are we going to start hearing like something about this when, when they start dying? Maybe they're all still alive and we'll hear about it on their deathbed. Oh, man, I'm one of the lost Soder, Soder children. Like, here's my story. Yeah. Or something like who knows? Who knows? Who knows? So maybe not case closed, but I, I'm I'm thinking pretty much at this point. There's not going to be anything new unless unless it's the scenario that you say or they yeah, deathbed yeah. confessions. Something like that. Find some f- 
fucking weird diary that Chief Morris was keeping. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Assuming some, like, great grandkids, like, going through some box in the attic. It's like, oh. It's written in crayon mm. <laughs> on construction paper. His would be written in crayon on construction paper. Yeah. It's on, like, to-do list. Like, uh, put liver in box, you know, con- <laughs> right. convince convinced the Sauter family that this uh, came from their children that were all burned to death, except for this piece of fucking liver, which I'm going to tell him is a heart. He was hoping that the encyclopedia salesman would show up so he could buy the encyclopedia so he could look up heart and see what one looked like. Right. Instead, he just went to the butcher shop and was like, it's close enough. Right. That that looks okay to me. I, I somebody could tell me that 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 was a heart, and I would be convinced. <laughs> yeah, I'd believe it. <laughs> I'd believe me. I'd believe me so hard. <laughs> oh my god, the encyclopedia was actually really cool. Like, did you have one of those copies, um, where when it was like the anatomy, like they had all these like clear um pieces oh, of yeah. paper that yeah, went yeah. one so over could, the other. Like the you could like there's the muscles uh-huh. and then like the ligaments and the tendons. Yeah, yeah. That's and then every cool. year they would send the update. And so what you would do is you'd it would be like the size of one encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. And you it would come with stickers. And you'd take the stickers and you'd go through all your old encyclopedias and place them there. And then those stickers would point you towards the new information in the new volume. That's funny. You had to like set aside a whole like weekend to like encyclopedia updating. Right. Or unless you're like the type of person that would just get like the updates and just leave them like on top of the bookshelf that the encyclopedia occupied because it's like a whole like little bookshelf yes oh yeah yeah it was some so serious you shit. would just like stack the new yeah. in, you know updates you know on the top of the shelf there what ifs yep so that's about it for the soder children join our facebook group strange space just type in the strange space and you should find us and um I think that's about it. So we will talk to you next time. And stay strange. Do you enjoy the Stranger Than podcast? Please let us know. Rate and comment on iTunes. Check out and like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash stranger than podcast. Our Twitter at underscore stranger than or drop us an email stranger than podcast at gmail.com. That's stranger than podcast, all one word at gmail.com. Also, feel free to email us any strange, mysterious, or misunderstood stories or topic suggestions that you'd like to share or hear about.